If when I say Easter, you're thinking of a large, fluffy bunny, we might have a few problems. But um, the reality is, this trivial world that we live in has turned this very special celebration uh, into hot cross buns and chocolate and bunnies and a long weekend. And our country loves Easter. It's great for those reasons. And so this trivial world, the spirit of this age, has nicely diverted our attention, our hearts away from the truth that this is when we celebrate that the Son of God died for our sins and rose from the dead. And that this God is alive and reigning now in heaven, but also in the hearts of those who follow him. But that truth seems just to totally escape most of our country and, and this world. So um, someone did a pretty good job on that. And yes, I said rose from the dead. But of course that concept is a bridge too far for most people. You see, for most of us living here in this country, our senses have been blinded to the reality of the supernatural. The world we live in mostly is all about what we can, what we can see and what we can touch and what we can hear, these things that we perceive. And so anything beyond that, well, we just won't believe it. It's just outside of our reality. And so our, to our minds, miracles just fairy tales. They're myths. It's nonsense. Rising from the dead. That looks good and you know, a children's Bible story. And I'm sure there's a good moral to learn from that. But that kind of thing doesn't really happen, does it? So you might be quite surprised this morning to learn that people all over the world, people even in this room, are experiencing powerful moves of God's power and his love every day. Not sure what I mean by miracle. I'm hoping that everyone who lives here today has no doubt about what miracles are and that they are happening all the time. So I want to show you a few clips this morning that uh, illustrates how God is moving and how real our God is. This first clip is from a docudrama called uh, Faith Like Potatoes. If you've never seen this, you can get this out in the video store, and I really encourage you to go check this out. Faith Like Potatoes. And this is the the real-life story of a Zambian farmer in South Africa called uh, Angus Buchan. And uh, this guy just had faith and just went to God, and amazing things happened. So check out this clip here.
Believe that you shall receive them and you shall have them. What things ever you desire, when you pray, believe that you shall receive them and you shall have them. Simeon! Alitana Zela! Mbula Manje! Aya Izumuni Mbula Manje! Alitana Zela Mbula Manje! Aizumuna Manje Mbula! Alitana Zela That really happened. Jesus calms storms in the Bible, and today he summons them to come to the aid of his people. That was probably just a coincidence, right? It was a coincidence, surely. It was always coming. It just came early this year, right then when the man prayed. It's quite remarkable how many coincidences, though, happen to Christians. It really is. Christians have got to be the luckiest people on the planet because lucky stuff like that happens to us all the time. It's really weird. Uh, here's another lucky story. This one is from Heidi Baker working amongst the poor in Mozambique. And we built this beautiful clinic but they wouldn't give us a license. And we prayed and we prayed and we prayed. And then we had a major 
epidemic with cholera. And this cholera was so bad that the government came and shut our center down, found out we had a clinic, shut the clinic down. Um, they pointed their finger at me and said, you're going to kill all of Maputo with this cholera and shut our school down, put us in quarantine. Eighty-five of our kids were in the hospital. It was terrible. And our clinic was gone, done in. Didn't matter what we spent on it, it was closed. And I went to the cholera a hospital with Supreza and we walked in there it was a miracle because no one's allowed in there and we just walked right in we walked right in and they said mama. welcome mom and these kids would throw up on me and the pastors vomiting and defecating on me they're just sick their eyes are sunken back their cheeks are in and they just said this is the place they come to die and I said, no, 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 they're not going to die. And they're not going to keep our clinic closed. And they're not keeping our center closed. And I prayed, and I prayed, because we already lost one center. So this was number two. So my heart's just, like, pounding. I was like, no, 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 in Jesus' name, no. And we went, prayed, and prayed, and prayed. I read the Bible. I preached. I held everybody. Every single person that wasn't from our center got saved and then day two they started getting healed day three more day four we cleared out the entire hospital not one person was left sick every single person was healed 100% healed the doctor said your God is God I want to work for you her name is Dr. Joanna. she's now the doctor of our clinic she's the one who pushed through all the paperwork with the government and the beginning of the eighth year in Mozambique we got our license. Wow, that's lucky, eh? Really, really lucky. The whole hospital randomly healed of cholera, which was killing them. If you want to, to get some luck, maybe you need to go to Mozambique. So the Bible is full of stories of Jesus healing people in the Bible. But they're not just Bible stories because God is doing the same thing now. The same God that was moving in power in ancient times in the Bible is moving like that right now. Or it's just luck. My mum's quite lucky. And mum's here today so I feel quite lucky for that as well. And I learned about the luck of the Lord when I was growing up from my mum. And mum taught me pretty much everything I needed to know about faith. And that is, you can trust in God. So I remember, and I, and I have shared this story here before, but it's one of the most transforming experiences of my life. I remember 20 years ago, I was a, a young kid and... I, could, I can remember mum crying in her room, which was next door to ours. And my mum was crying because she had four kids in the house and she had no food to feed them. Actually, had no food for breakfast the next morning. Things were pretty tight back then. And mum cried and mum prayed. And she, she called out to God because she just didn't have any other options. We woke up in the morning and there were bags of groceries on the veranda outside. Mum hadn't called anyone. No one knew what was going on except God. 
And so I don't know, and to this day, mum has no idea who God used. But someone got up really early that morning, went down to the supermarket, bought bags of groceries, sneaked to our house, left them on the veranda, and left. It's pretty lucky. And so all I remember is that we had need, and my mum cried out in faith, and our God provided. Really lucky. Also, mum tells me this, this other story. We were driving back home from my grandparents who live out in the country and mum's eyes flick down to the, uh, the petrol gauge and in horror she sees that we are, we are out of gas. That's it. It's kind of bit below the line. And we're still 30 k's away from home and we're way out in the, in the country, out in the sticks and, well, no one has cell phones uh, in the 80s. And so there's just nothing that, that she can do. She just prayed. And turns out that cars can run on prayer. Uh, which is a lot cheaper than gas at the moment. <laughs> so, uh, so mum just drove and she prayed. And the, the car ran out of gas at the bottom of our driveway. Drove all the way through the sticks, 30 k's to the bottom of our driveway, and that's when the prayer ran out. So, uh, so yeah, that was quite lucky as well. Luck. One of my closest friends, a guy my age, uh, was diagnosed with stage four brain cancer uh, and received this news at the same time that he learned he was going to be a father. So that was a pretty full-on week for him. And when this news came down, his wife just gathered all of his friends that had faith and his family, just got us together and just, we prayed and we prayed and we begged God for the life of my friend. And fortunately, uh, despite uh, all the predictions of the doctors, he is in full remission and uh, he is going to be able to raise his own children. And uh, this kind of thing happens all the time. Another mate of mine, this is just weird, another mate of mine uh, had a building business and uh, in the recession uh, the whole thing folded and it collapsed and it left him with a personal debt of $200,000 and he was struggling to find work, uh, he couldn't sell the houses he had invested and everything was just falling down and the only option he had left was to file for bankruptcy and just start again and in a few years time hopefully be able to move past that and see what God had next. And so he went to God and said, look, Lord, I'm, I'm stuffed. I just, there's no way I can pay this back. The bank's on my case. I'm just going to have to file for bankruptcy. I don't know if that's what you want me to do, and I don't know what I did wrong, but unless you've got another plan, this is it. I'm filing for bankruptcy this week. Turned out that God did have another plan. The bank calls him, and they're leaving messages for him. He's dodging their calls. Because he hasn't got any money to, to pay these guys. So he doesn't want to talk to these guys. But the bank keeps hounding him. And he's starting to feel pretty stink about it. And eventually they get hold of him. They're like, oh, sir, we've been trying to get hold of you for the last couple of weeks. I just wanted you to let you know that uh, we've decided to uh, cancel the debt. All of it. $200,000. We're just going to write it off. It's, uh, it's done. So um, it's all good. And, I asked him, what bank do you, uh, <laughs> who do you bank with? So it, 
so if you didn't catch that, the bank wrote off every cent of his debt. No conditions, uh, no, you know, pays you go over the next 20 years, that was it. It's just, yeah, no, no, we, um, we, we see your situation and yeah, don't worry about it, it's taken care of. And he and our whole life group couldn't believe it. When does a bank ever do that? Ever. So, uh, yeah, he asked the account manager who spoke to him, how did this happen? And the account manager didn't know because this is not how banks run their business. That's not how you make money in this world, cancelling debt like that. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> Christians get really lucky. It's uh, bizarre. I want to share a couple of stories for me personally as well because I find God's luck comes on me all the time as well. I, uh, ten years ago, I was a um, I was a youth worker working for a Christian organisation down here in Wellington, and uh, the organisation I worked for didn't have any money. So all the staff that worked for this this organisation had to raise their own finances. We had to go and ask people to support us. And uh, some weeks uh, was okay, and there was money. And some weeks things were pretty tight. And um, I wasn't you know a great manager of money either. And so I ended up one month, uh, I was, my, my rent was due, and I didn't have money for, for rent. In fact, I was a few weeks um, late uh, on, on my rent, and other bills were piling up. And I was starting to get a little bit concerned, because I just didn't know what I was going to do, and I was thinking I was going to have to call, uh, call my mum and, and dad and uh, <laughs> ask them if they could possibly give me some money. But um, I was like, Lord, they're already helping me so much. <sighs> Can you just give me stuff like you gave mum stuff? And uh, and I felt really stinky even, ask, um, even asking that. So I just you know really mature. But that Sunday at church, this really gruff old dad came up to me and he goes, "Here, this is for you." Gives me an envelope. And I open up this envelope and inside is a check for a thousand dollars. And for a youth worker, a thousand dollars is a lot of money. And I, I just, my, I, I start to tear up, and I'm, I just start just spilling out all these uh, superlatives of thanks and what a wonderful man this guy is. And he's like, "Nah, seriously, don't even go there. You need to understand, I don't want to give you this money. <laughs> I'm not giving you this because I'm generous, or because I think you deserve it. In fact, I'm pretty sure you're quite irresponsible, and you'll probably spend this on video games." I am giving you $1,000 of my money because I believe to the core of me this is what God wants me to do. So don't thank me. And he was really hard out of it today. But of course, instead of being offended, I was incredibly blown away because God was looking out for me. Or I'm just lucky. Another story, and this is... This is one, if, if, you've, if you're part of the community here, you've heard me share this a number of times, because this story binds me to this place. Uh, I left my, my old job um, three years ago. Uh, I left my old job, a very good job, at a very cool church. I left it because God made it clear to me that he had another plan for me. So I quit my job, and he didn't tell me what the plan was. He just said, you need to, you need to step away from this. So I quit my job with nowhere else to go. And... Uh, Three months later, I still had nowhere else to go. Uh, but God was just assuring me that I've got it um, in, in, in control. And I felt like he was leading me here. I felt like God, this is where God wanted, me, wanted to place me. 
But I wasn't 100% sure. And it turns out a lot of the time we're not 100% sure. And that's that gap where you're not sure, that's faith. And, you, and so you step into that. I think this is what God wants. So uh, first Sunday on the job, I'm up here. And I've, I'm leading worship, and I'm borrowing a guitar to do that. And I'm just freaking out that they're not going to like me. They're not going to like my new songs, and I'm going I'm to be lame, and I'll be, uh, I'll be out of key, and I'll play it wrong. And, so, and, I'm, and I'm also, mostly I'm, I am concerned that I have stepped into this, and this is not what God wanted for me. So I'm like, please, Lord, make this work. And uh, so I, I played, and this Greg, the senior pastor, was in the front row going, yeah, it's sweet. I think I played a kind of a half-country number, so that's all he wanted. <laughs> but uh, that was cool. But that morning, there was, um, there was a, we had a guest speaker speaking, uh, and uh, he brought a powerful message, and he's also a very talented songwriter and musician. And at the end of the service... He comes up to me and he gives me this gorgeous limited edition Fender Stratocaster. Very nice guitar, worth uh, about four months of my pay. So it's a, it's a very generous gift. And he gives this to me and he says, this is for you. And once again, I well up with tears more than before because this, you know, for guitar, this is like giving me a child. It was, it was quite special. And, um, and I'm starting to thank him and I want to kiss his feet and stuff. And, and he says... Just like the other guy, seriously, don't go there. I don't want to give you this. This is one of my children. I am not giving you this because I want to, but because God wants you to have this. And he wants you to know that this is where he wants you, and he will make sure you have everything you need for the job he has called you to. So what I got that morning was awesome guitar, but also the confirmation that I've been praying for. This is where God wanted me, and it was all under control. So when you experience a story like that, and you hear people telling you, it's not from me, it's from God, and he told me to, and I don't want to, it starts to sound a lot less like luck, and more like there is a real God who is very interested in what's going on with us day to day. So thank you, Lord. That's not lucky. That's being looked after. And you know, I only see, and we only see a fraction of what God is doing. So those are some big stories. But all the time, God's hand is on us, and he is protecting us, and he is providing for us. He is making amazing things happen. We don't even see it. We don't even have eyes to see what God is doing. I think about that, um, that state insurance commercial with this guy walking around, da, 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 and there's all these guys in, in dark clothing in the background protecting him and, and catching things and saving him and making things work so that he can get about his day. But he can't see them. He's oblivious to it. And I believe God is working like that in our lives all the time. We don't perceive a fraction of what God is doing in our lives. But Lord, I thank you that you are there. And that your hand is on us. This kind of stuff is happening to God's people every day. Humor me if you will. I want to do just a little experiment here. Can you stand up if you have experienced a honest to God supernatural miracle? Can you please stand up right now? Stand up if you've experienced an honest to God supernatural miracle. 
Oh, wow, that's a lot of people. Can you put up your hand if you have experienced or been involved in a supernatural healing? Wow. Man, praise God. Please, take a seat. And if they just give him a round of applause. Thank you, Lord. Man. Yeah, I shouldn't be blown away, but I am. And are you surprised to see so many people standing up? Are you surprised to know that God is that active? Man, he is in so many ways. And no one seems to know about it. It's like riding underneath the surface. I, bet, I don't know what the world thinks of us. Why we, you know, do this church thing. Why all these God-botherers, you know, pursuing this belief system that tells them what they can and can't do. It's because of that testimony. God is real and he is powerful. He is in our lives and doing the most amazing things. We're not following Bible stories. This is the real deal. What we need to understand is that what seems supernatural to us is actually God's natural. What we find extraordinary is God's ordinary. This is how he rolls 24-7. And this is how he wants us to live 24-7. Living in faith and living in his power. So following him isn't about following rules. It's about being in relationship with a powerful, supernatural God. But that's a faith that people, even who call themselves Christians, don't always grasp. But that's what we are preaching this morning. That is the God that we believe here at The Rock. In his power, anything is possible. In this power, God raised his son Jesus from the dead. And that same power is at work now, even to conquer death. And that's a pretty big one. This is for real. I want to share another story now from Angus Buchan. And this story was confirmed by the entire village. Please show us this one, Gav.
camisa e lato al sacco. Comunque lo culo. Comunque lo culo. Ma che fossi? Mi Comunque lo culo. O comina, mamãe. O comina. Ai, ai. A comina, mamãe. Espera. Espera, mamãe. Um colocuro. Só para ocupir. Lalilani. Lalilani. A mana com um colocuro. Ata benzala. Você entende? Um colocuro. tempted to dismiss this because it looks like a movie but that was biographical that really happened confirmed by the entire village and this happens more than you can imagine you don't really see that on stuff that often do you man raised in the dead in Brazil woman raised in the dead in Zambia you don't really see these stories coming out you kind of think you would you kind of think raised from the dead is newsworthy But it happens all the time. Check out, here's another one. Check out this one. This is again from Mozambique. Back while I was filming in churches, I met someone who would change my life forever. Her name is Heidi Baker. Heidi and her husband, Roland, invited me to come out to their home in Mozambique to see what God was up to. Suddenly, I was going to Africa and my whole world was once again about to be rearranged. This is Francis. Francis was dead once, but as you can see here, he's now very much alive. Before I'd even reached Mozambique, I met Francis here, who came to see me at the airport in Johannesburg. Iris Ministries, which is where I was heading, has seen nearly 100 people raised from the dead in the last seven years. Francis is one of them. Here is his story. We were at the hall uh, at the 23rd of September 2003. I was, I was the one who was responsible to welcome the guests. As I was uh, just outside speaking to the guests, just welcoming them, then I decided to lock up the gate because it was almost about uh, dark. As I was about to lock the gate, four men came to me, uh, approaching me. Then I thought that those people want to get into the hall uh, to have fellowship with us. Then immediately as I was uh, uh, looking at them, then they grabbed me, they started beating me. As uh, they were starting beating me, then I, I asked them, what is happening? Then they said, no, we want to kill you today. That's your last day. Then I tried to fight back. Then uh, all my attempts failed because there were four, four men. And then after that, after they've assaulted me and beating me, then I didn't know uh, later what happened. Somebody finds an old car and they get the body to the hospital. It's the appraiser goes with them. They don't know what to do. They get to the hospital. Uh, 
They killed him about 11 o'clock, and about 12:15, Surprise is praying. The whole entire conference is praying. They don't know what else to do. They just the whole place is praying. 12:15 uh, at night at the hospital, Franzi starts to breathe, and he comes back to life. <laughs> now, I originally thought that was the end of the story, but it's not. In fact, it's not even the best part of the story. But he's in a. But he's in a. He's just in a complete mess. By now, his eyes are swollen shut. His mouth is swollen shut. He can't talk. He's just in a total physical mess. Looks like it's going to take him just ages and ages to recover. But he's alive. <laughs> There's a whole gang of these guys. The police later in the morning finally finds one of them. And they're so proud of themselves, they call the church, come on down here, press charges, sign papers, we'll get this guy in jail right now. But last night, when the frenzy came back to life, just before they put him out for the night, he managed to croak out between his swollen lips, he managed to croak out, forgive them. It's the only thing he could say, it's the only thing he did say, is just forgive them. And that got back to the church. So when the police call to come down to press charges and sign papers, the whole church agrees we're not going to do that. We're just going to forgive him. The police are really upset. This is not how to handle crime in South Africa. And they keep demanding that somebody come down and press charges. But the entire church with one voice said, no, we're not going to do that. As soon as they forgave this guy, told the police absolutely no, the phone call came from the hospital that Franzi was totally and completely healed. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Don't you think? Wow. Confirmed by the hospital, uh, confirmed by the entire church, this man who was beaten to a pulp and died came back from the dead, and then his whole body was completely healed and restored right there and then on forgiving these people. That's how our God works. Does this stuff not make the news? It's unbelievable, right? It's hard to believe it that, you know, this has just been put together to make my story sound more compelling. But this stuff happens all the time, and people all around you are experiencing powerful moves of God. But the truth is that this is impossible without faith and without a very powerful God. And my God is both very powerful, powerful to do anything. And he is truly, sincerely loving, the source of all love. But a lot of people struggle to grasp that because a lot of people can't reconcile and even I struggle to reconcile how there can be an a completely powerful God, all-powerful and also all-loving in a world that is so full of suffering and evil. Because if God was all-loving and all-good, well then he wouldn't want there to be any evil. He wouldn't want people to suffer. And if he was all-powerful, well then... He could fix it. He could do whatever needs to be done to stop suffering. And that makes sense, doesn't it? And so people struggle with that. They dismiss the concept of an all-powerful, loving God because it just doesn't add up for them. 
If he was all powerful and all good, he would just cleanse the world of all evil. And as I looked into this, there was a problem with this reasoning that if this is all true, God would be required to do one of two things. To rid the, rid the earth of all evil right now, God would need to do two things. Firstly, he would need to smite, remove all of the evil people off the planet. That would be good, right? We don't want to live with evil people. So get rid of them and then remove from people the capacity to make decisions that would hurt people, that would hurt others, that would hurt themselves, that would hurt this planet. So get rid of all the evil people and then take away just the capacity to make those kind of decisions. If God did that, there would be no suffering on this planet. And that would be awesome, right? Except for me. Not so good for me, because if all the evil people get smited, I get smitten. That's not the word now, is it? I get, I get smote. God has to lay the smack down on me. Because as much as I hate to admit it, uh, in church on a Sunday, I'm pretty evil. I have caused the suffering of people. And unfortunately for a pastor especially, I'm probably going to do that again. I am going to hurt people, and I'm gutted about that. But I am surely going to make some mistake, and I'm going to do something wrong, and I'll hurt people. I will be a cause of suffering in this world. Something evil. So God has to get rid of me. And that's going to cause some suffering to my dear wife and my gorgeous little girls as well. Daddy's gone, so they're going to um, grow up without a father. I've caused suffering to myself and others. And the sad reality is that we all lie and we cheat and we steal. We terminate the life of unborn children because they're inconvenient. We trash this planet God has given us. We trash our bodies God has given us. If God was to smite all the evil people today, do you really think that you'd be here? The other option, the other thing that God would need to do is God's going to have to rewire our brains so that we can no longer make those decisions that hurt people, that hurt ourselves. But given that so much of what we do is harmful to ourselves and others and this planet, we would not be left with many decisions that we could make. Transforming our minds to the point where we can no longer commit any evil would leave us as robots, pre-programmed to only do what God wants. A robot. A wonderful world of robots. Cyborgs. Is that what you want to be? Do you want to be a robot where you can no, not make any decisions for yourself? Turns out that's not what God wants you to be. That was not his plan for you. His plan was not for us to commit evil, but his plan was for us to choose to do what was right. And so he gave us this wonderful little gift called free will, which means we have power. We can choose what we do. Unfortunately, we wield that power for the harm of this planet for us, for everyone around us. But we can choose good. 
We can choose good over evil. We can choose right over wrong. And we can choose to follow him and receive him as our friend and as our God. That's what his plan was for us. So does God leave us wallowing around in this muck? Empathizing with us, but not doing anything? No. The suffering in this world breaks God's heart. He sees it all, he hears it all. And he has made some very special promises to his children, those that have recognized him and and follow him. God has promised that he will never leave us or forsake us. Whatever we are going through, he is there with us. He has promised that that we will be rewarded in glory for what we are going through now. It's it's not for, for any arbitrary reason that we go through what we do. And God will reward us. He has also promised that he will work for our good, whatever our circumstances are. God will not waste a suffering or a trial. And he will grow us through that. But he does so much more than support emotionally and empathize with us. God is there in person and in power to come to our aid in very tangible ways. As I have experienced personally, I speak from personal experience. Like he has in my life and the lives of all the people around you and in this building. This is a very real and powerful God. And this Easter God is calling you. He's calling you by name. He knows you and he loves you and he wants you to be his. He wants you to experience this. A real, deep, sincere relationship. Not with a Bible character, but with a true and living God. Powerful God. Eternal God. He wants to be in your life now and forever. And the free will that he has given us all means you can choose your forever. You can choose what your eternity will be like. We have been given that power. That power comes from the cross. When Jesus died for our sins, that means that every evil thing we have ever done, every evil act that has committed us to an eternity without God, every sin was paid for on that cross. That is the power of it. So when we, when we claim that gift, when we claim the fruit of that cross, That means that everything we have ever done and ever will do that would separate us from God is paid for. So that when God looks at us, he doesn't see the filth and the evil. He sees a reflection of his own perfect son. And he says, come to me, my beloved child. You were mine now and forever. That is the power of the cross. And that power is here among us right now. You can change your eternity, your destination, right now. What it takes is faith in what you have heard. Faith that he died for you. Faith that he loves you. Faith in the power of the cross. If you accept that and claim that, he will accept you and claim you as his own. 
That is the transaction. So the Jesus I want to introduce to you today is its not a baby in a manger or a moral teacher from 2,000 years ago. He is the creator of the universe. He is risen from the dead. And he is the only hope that we have in this life and in the one to come. The only hope. And he loves you more than you can ever imagine. There are two things that I wanted us to go after this morning. The first is faith. If you have never put your faith in these matters, if you have never put your faith in the power of the cross and what Jesus has done for you, I want to invite you to take that step today. And I know it's a step of faith, and I remember when I took it, You weren't there 2,000 years ago to see it happen. But God walked this earth as a man and he walked around healing, saving, raising from the dead and preaching about a kingdom that would last forever. And then they nailed him to that cross. Three days later he came back. He came back and he is alive now. Now it takes faith to believe that. But every day that I spend in relationship with this God, I need less and less faith because I see him do the most amazing things and I know it is true. That is what I invite you to take this morning. So if you have never claimed that, testament this and receive that this morning. Receive the inheritance that he has for you. Salvation. Relationship with him. Let us claim faith today. The other thing, the other thing for those of us who have faith in him, the other thing that we will claim is more faith. You have faith that he died on a cross and was raised for you? That is good. But do you have faith now for your life right now? Faith in miracles, faith in healing, Faith that God wants to move through you powerfully. Faith that God wants to transform your life into the likeness of Christ. Faith that he can do anything through you. That he can move mountains and raise the dead. Because if we are not living in that faith, we have a half Christianity watered down. It's not just your eternity that God is interested in. He is interested in you right now. And he wants to do so much more in us and through us. He wants us to experience his power transforming this world. That is the faith we need to step into. So this morning is all about faith. I need so much more than I currently have. As I said, I only see and perceive a fraction of what God is doing. I want to see it all. I want to raise the dead. I want to raise the dead. A young man died in my arms. I was first on the scene at an accident. This man died in my arms. I didn't know any first aid, and so I just held him as he breathed his last breath, and I saw his eyes cloud. Next person dying in my arms, 
I'm going to pray them back. All right. So this is we're going to we're going to go after this. Um, this might get a little weird, but uh, things get weird sometimes when God is moving. So um, this is what I want to do. We we, we tried this uh, a couple of months ago, but um, I don't want this just to be theoretical for any of us. So uh, I want us to try this. I want us just to break up into groups, and I want us to pray for two things. First. For those who have faith and are believers, I want us to pray that God would open our eyes to see what he is doing and give us faith to believe for more. Okay, I'm talking about the supernatural. Okay, I want to pray for that, but the other thing is this. There are people in this room right now who have need, physical need, people who are sick, people who are injured, people who know people who are sick and injured, people who have financial need and are in desperation. I want us to pray right now for healing. That God would even heal us right now. My God is powerful and can heal right now. When we did this a couple of months ago, what we had six confirmed healings in the room. So I want to do that. I want to put this faith to the test right now and give God an opportunity to show his glory. Okay? So if that gets weird, that'll be awesome.